listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Well, surprise, Richard Franzi is out of town today here. I think he's at a, uh, a meeting of all the uh, Renaissance Executive Forum uh, uh, members, and uh, we wish him well in that. And so today, Paul Roberts, the normal, normally silent engineer, gets to uh, speak up today and host the shows I've done a few times here. Mark Aldridge, and he's the chairman and founder of Aldridge and Bonifin PLC, a professional law corporation. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. Thanks, Paul. Okay. All right. Nice and, to be here. And uh, tell us what kind of professional law corporation you you are. Do you special? I, I see you specialize in banking law. Is that correct? That's right. In fact, we're celebrating our thirtieth year this year. I founded the firm in nineteen eighty five, uh, along with my partner Janet Bonifin, and we specialize in providing legal and compliance services to uh, banks all over California. I had no idea there was a niche for that. Bank pays a prorated share of our costs each month, and for that they, they get the right to call us for questions. We do training seminars in ten different cities throughout California every really? month. We do telephone briefings. We publish a twenty-volume set of bank procedures manuals, and um, provide a lot of other support. So uh, you must be one of the fans of the Dodd Frank <laughs> regulation, because that certainly made uh, banking more complex than it's ever it, been. It's definitely our retirement program. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Kept you guys around. So uh, give us some sense of, is banking back in uh, on good, healthy ground here again? I mean, obviously, we went through the largest meltdown of the financial institution, scary yeah. meltdown, uh, a, f- a few years ago. Yeah, we were having... Uh, Friday afternoon vigils for what bank would be closed <laughs> yeah. on Fridays yeah, for a while. But uh, I have to say uh, that I think the industry is doing much better now. And um, uh, we've seen these cycles during the course of our firm. There was uh, some failures in the mid to late 80s and right. the 90s. And then, of course... More, more the you know, SNL crisis yes, and everything. Right. right. There's been you know kind of different groups each time. But but in the past, after these consolidations, we've seen a surge of new charters. That has not yet happened uh, this time, and we're still seeing some mergers and consolidation of banks. Uh, we have become aware of a couple of new applications in Orange County that are mm-hmm. being pursued finally. Uh, I think part of it is the compliance burden, but also the low rates and low margins yeah. Uh, the banks are uh, enduring today, and I think when rates rise, you may see some more new banks again. Will we ever see a rollback to the days when banks just do banking and don't do offer investment and in financial products as well, or is that ship long since sailed? I, um, I know there was a lot of discussion of breaking banks back up again and reinstituting right. some of those rules from the 30s and 40s. Some, and- the Glass-Steagall Act right. is one of those. I think that community banks tend to be more focused on traditional banking. It's really the big banks that got into all of these uh, deep derivations of banking and probably got into trouble with them. Yeah. Um, many of the community banks did not do that, but they were hurt by the recession and the decline, particularly in commercial real estate values. Well, my wife has been in banking. She was a branch manager uh, at U.S. Bank for a long time, and now she's into auditing and what. And she always laughs and says, 
in her career, she's gone through, I think, 12 or 14 consolidations mm-hmm. or whatever you want to oh, yeah. mergers and stuff, uh, right. including one year she went through three of them. She went from some little bank to Security Pacific to Bank of America. I mean, it just went mm-hmm. you know, one after the other. And she always kids and says, well, we're just going to have one bank left. It's going to be called The Bank. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope not. That wouldn't be good for my practice. <laughs> we, we, we've tried to expand by also serving other kinds of financial institutions other than commercial banks. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, we're increasingly serving credit unions and also non-bank financial services companies like finance lenders and uh, some of the newer money transmitters mm-hmm. and marketplace lenders. And what about this whole you know, world of uh, Internet banking? Are we just going to do everything online again? There are a few banks that, are, as I understand it, just don't offer branches anymore. Well, I think it'll be a mixture. Um, some banks are moving in that direction. The, the technology certainly is there. But I think community banks' strength has generally been through the personal contact mm-hmm. and the, the desire to have someone who knows your business and can be there for you when you need them. And I don't think that's going to change. And, and used to be able to size you up and decide whether they wanted to take a risk with you or not. But right. now that a lot of that discretion seems to be out the window here. At, at the smaller banks, I think there's more local decision making, uh, and that that is going to you know keep them around as long as the economics work out. So, what do you see the future of banking regulation? Is it going to continue to be as highly regulated? Is it going to get more regulated? Uh, if or is, is the pendulum swung way and when do you think it's going to come back again? It here? may swing back a bit. There's already some talk about giving smaller banks regulatory relief. There's a couple of bills that are been in the house recently passed by the house of course whether you know anything will whether move anything can that, pass through yeah, the house these days i don't know <laughs> the dodd frank act i think has affected larger banks more but it's just increased costs throughout the industry yeah so there's some some support i think gaining to relieve banks of some of that and do you see um you talked about new banks being chartered i haven't seen that very happening few to, yeah a handful, really, uh, nationally in the last few years. Um, there used to be small banks that would special, particularly in industries. When I was in the entertainment industry a long time, and there were like Citibank, or not Citibank, uh, I forgot the name. City of it. National. City Bank. National that would They focus just got on. bought by a Canadian bank. See, there you go, another consolidation. But they start off as really focusing on the entertainment industry, and they mm-hmm. would even do, they were one of the few that would even fund movies and other right. sorts of things here. My father was a community bank president in Irvine in the 1970s and early 80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that, I think, piqued my interest in getting involved with the community banking part of the industry. He was also the one that suggested I start this cooperative group. Oh, wow. Uh, which, uh, are there lots of others out there? Are you unique in this field? We're, we're unique in that regard. We we represent, through this group, 125 banks throughout California, and wow. there are only about 175 banks. I was going to say, how many left are left? Yeah, right. There used yeah. to be um, quite, but, quite a bit more. Uh, but we, we do focus primarily in California because it's our home and the laws and regulations uh, of which we understand the best. We do have some clients out of state, and we can advise on matters of federal law, mm-hmm. federal banking law, but we're obviously not as adept in, in laws of other states. And how about things like credit? I've never quite understood how credit unions fit into the mix, and I don't know. CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. 
To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. All right, we're back there. Sorry to eat into the time here with our next guest. We'll make it up in the back end here. But I, anytime you have people from the Shea Riding Center in here, it really is amazing. I encourage people to go check that place out because... The work that they do and, and the amazing therapeutic value of putting autistic kids, blind kids, others, kids with cerebral palsy on horses and let them experience what that's like, I, I think has got to be absolutely, as he said, it's miraculous. Where else can you go see miracles happen but at the Shea Center here in Orange County? Well, here's another place that's trying to make miracles happen. They're, they work at the miracles are their regular business here. The Orange County Business Council's chief economist is with us here for a dramatic shift from uh, from heart-tugging stories to uh, probably uh, frightening statistics here of the future of, the, of Orange County and the country here. Uh, welcome, Wallace Walrod. Thank you, Paul. Good to be here. Uh, we, he's been a guest here before on other shows of ours, and uh, so we'll try and cover some of that ground and explore some new ground with him here. Tell us again, what for those, this is a more business-oriented show, what is the Orange County Business Council and what do they do? Yeah, Orange County Business Council is the largest business organization in Orange County. It was actually founded back in the 1880s, even before Orange County was a county. Wow, I don't think I knew that. Orange County used to be part of L.A. County. Yeah. And the predecessor to Orange County Business Council was a mover and shaker in breaking Orange County, splitting Orange County off from L.A. County. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, probably in those days, spent a little bit of time up in Sacramento doing that, as we still do uh, every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard some uh, shady stories of how that all happened way back when. Uh, but. There were, probably were suitcases of money <laughs> or something, something exchanged, yeah, right. But now we're primarily the large employers in Orange County, like uh, the Walt Disney Corporation, sure. like Irvine Company, like... Um, uh, South Coast Plaza uh, yeah. is a member of us. Right here. We're right across the street from us here. So, yeah, we work on long-term issues that affect the you know success or failure of Orange County's economy. The four areas that we really focus on right now are economic development, workforce development and education, infrastructure, and workforce housing. Well, we're going to talk about at least one of those today. Uh, but what fascinates me is this is not a government institution, right? This is Because you would think, like, uh, forgive me if... For my ignorance, but like in L.A. County, don't they have an economic development agency? And- they do, yeah. Um, in Orange County, we tend to do things a little differently. Right. So, the <laughs> Independently. Or- yeah. <laughs> we are kind of a combination of a business council and an economic development corporation. Mm-hmm. Typically, um, those economic development corporations are public- publicly funded. Right. You pointed out LAEDC in Los Angeles is mostly publicly funded. Right. Same in San Diego. Same in most other places but our organization you know orange county like i said does things a little bit differently mm-hmm. uh, we do have members that are government entities but 90 plus percent of our funding and our members are in the private sector and does the funding all come through just membership dues do you do events do you get we grants do, How, what else do you yeah do? primarily it's events and membership dues and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about a conference we had last week we mm-hmm. have several big conferences um we have one coming up actually so the one we'll talk about today was our workforce conference yes. that was last week right we have one coming up at the end of the month on october 29th that's our economic forecast and we do that in collaboration with Cal State Fullerton. And that's a big one. So let's yeah. start with the one that just took place here. What what was that one called and what uh, what information was uh 
presented at that one that we'd find interesting here our business leaders? So we do it on an annual basis. I think this was the 14th or 15th uh, one that we've done. We release a report that myself and my research team write. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also have, uh, we didn't have a keynote speaker this year. We had a, a panel of uh, uh, business folks and actually a few elected officials. Mm. A report this year focused. And, we, and the conference was called what? The uh, Orange County Business Council Workforce Development Conference. Workforce Development Conference. All right. That's one of our core issues. And we um, track some of the same indicators every year, like uh, Orange County's unemployment rate is now 4.5%, so we're doing really well. Doing something right, yeah. We were close to 6% last year at the same time, so we're significantly under that. And let me ask, this is maybe a stupid question, but Mm -hmm. I specialize in asking these kind of ridiculous, uh, obvious questions here. Uh, that's almost considered like zero because there's always going to be some unemployment. Right. There are people always in flux. You're never going to be absolute zero uh, unless it's, I don't know, in the middle of a war or something or whatever or something. You're right. That It used to be considered 5 or 6% unemployment was at that point was full unemployment. Yeah, right. Orange County before the recession actually had been in the 3 to 5% range for about uh, a decade before that. So we're right back to where we were before the recession. I think we'll actually end the year probably closer to around 4%. So mm-hmm. we are getting back to full employment now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so as strange as that sounds, 4% is considered full employment. Yeah, because you're already, always going to have people who are switching jobs, right. who want to move on to a different career. They're in flux. Everybody isn't staying put and employed at one moment. And a certain number of people have more trouble getting jobs than others and whatnot. Right. And there are still some folks who are underemployed who are counted as employed, but Mm -hmm. they would like to be working full-time, but they're currently working. Now compare that to our sister counties, uh, Riverside, San Diego, L.A. They're all in the 6 to 7% range right now. Mm -hmm. So we are outperforming, once again, the region. Um, and it actually gets to the first of the big issues that we talked about in our report, which is we're facing a skills gap in some industries. I've heard this before on this show and others, uh, and I find that hard to believe in a world where people say, gee, I can't get a job. Their employer is saying, I can't find somebody to fill a job here. That's for sure. And it's um, uh, not evenly distributed across the board, but in certain particular sectors. And the three that we've highlighted um, in our research are no surprise, information technology. Mm-hmm. Oh, and can't get enough of those. That's right. not just in IT-specific firms. That's in a lot of different firms. For example, hospitals now and healthcare mm-hmm. systems are hiring a lot of IT folks. Obviously, in the financial uh, world, they're at insurance companies and banks. They're hiring a lot of IT folks. So, mm-hmm. in general, IT is a great area to go into. But from the employer standpoint, just cannot get enough talent there. And the other thing driving it, I would think, is this push towards, we've done some shows on this, what they're calling big data or the Internet of Things, where everything, your toaster, your TV, your car, is going to be gathering information and sending it to somebody, and somebody's going to be analyzing that data. So more than ever, we've got to have people who can understand all that process of you bet. And, in fact, that's an area of the um, that's a realm that I'm increasingly doing a lot of work in. We have Orange County is kind of a, a center of that. Mm-hmm. We have companies not too far from here like Experian, and that's yes. basically their core business. But we have a lot of small and medium-sized firms that are getting into big data as well. Yeah, and I didn't know. I thought Experian was just – I knew them from the credit reports, but they do a lot more than that. Oh, information yeah. gathering and analyzing this big data. That's exactly. Happening. And where big data in general is going is predictive analytics. Yes. And that's something that, for sure, 
uh, Experian has been making a lot of progress in. I'll tell you another one we did a weird show. We have a show called The Cloud, and we talk about uh, you know trends within this new strange place where we're storing all our data called The Cloud, this, yeah. uh, this off-site something out there. And uh, we did a show with the chief technologist, I think that's what his title was, for the city of L.A. city of L.A. is one of five or six cities in America that have hired somebody for this position. And what they're doing is they're trying to put meters or, or I don't know, what would you call them, little devices on, like, parking meters and stuff. Sensors. Sensors, right, so they can gather this data, and then they're putting it out and trying to make it free available to people and hoping that they'll develop apps and other things and and That's, the parking meter was one that they talked about where somebody came along and said well let's analyze what parking meters are open so as i'm endlessly driving around downtown la i can say oh there's a meter open on fourth street i'll go over there that's actually the, it's an area I've been doing some work in called open data. And yes. basically that's providing that's gov- the data that government collects so that people can make use, use of it, it use yeah. and value of it. And the, ma- other, the other yeah. area in IT that's big is mobile. You kind of referred mm-hmm. to that when you were talking um, apps and everything. Apps and everything. Right. Exactly. So the other two areas are healthcare mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. You know, Orange County is getting demographically older, yeah. as is the rest of the state and the nation. We tend to consume more healthcare services. Uh, and unfortunately, not as many people as necessary are going into healthcare, and that's all the way from nurses. And we've known that there's been a nursing shortage. I keep for hearing a long that. It's time. hard to believe. Yeah. But also technicians and IT folks. Uh, yeah. Actually, the third area is actually quite interesting: uh, is advanced manufacturing. You know, and I would have been surprised had we not done a show about uh, three or four months ago. We, we do a manufacturing show here oh, okay. uh, uh, called Manufacturing Talk Radio. And we did a thing with the, know, what's the big group that puts out the jobs report and everything? I forgot their name, not the title. Anyway, whatever this this body is that, along with the Commerce Department, puts together these jobs re- manufacturing reports. Yeah. And they talked about it at length. Yeah. You can't get a welder. You can't get a CAD operator. Uh, the average age of these people in their 60s or whatnot. So these are people that got trained into these positions, and there's nobody following because your kid, you don't want your kid to go be a welder or a draftsman or something, or not it a is, draftsman, but you know. Yes, that, that's spot on. That the uh, most manufacturers you you talk to, it's an aging baby boomer workforce. Yeah, there unfortunately it became sort of um, a stigma about what manufacturing yeah, looks like. I don't is want my kids to be assembly this line, dirty and this ugly. Yeah. all that kind of stuff. Right. If you go to a manufacturing facility now, Robotics it's very and- <laughs> different thing. You're actually, exactly, mostly working with computers and computer interfaces, yeah. operating machinery and robots, and there just haven't been enough um, new uh, young folks and enough education and training programs to meet that, and those baby boomers are starting to retire. Yeah. And actually, if you want a really good-paying job and you don't necessarily want to get a four-year degree, uh, advanced manufacturing is one some of the best. Some of these are six-figure jobs and stuff here, you even bet. to be welders in some of these things here. And uh, and I, I was flabbergasted by that, and I didn't know if that was just because manufacturing has seen a decline in this country. But they said, no, it's just what you said. It's just not sexy. It's not attracting the youth like other things are. In fact, it's the opposite. Um, so Orange County, a lot of people don't know this, right now has about 165,000 manufacturing jobs. Orange County does? Or just Orange County wow. alone grew about 5,000 in the last year, so that's over 3% growth. Mm-hmm. And you've heard, maybe you started to hear this trend about onshoring 
or reshoring. Yep, bringing it back. We're starting to see that in Orange County. So, so what do they bring back? Is it is it the really high tech stuff that's it difficult is more, to do? Yeah. More the tech stuff or stuff Real that precise. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the other part is when you need. Uh, we got used to this just in time. Yeah. Society, and then what happens when you have like the port slowdown, like yeah. you had? <laughs> yeah. You're missing these components that are necessary. So. Actually, supply chains are shortening rather than lengthening. That's interesting. And you want to build in some um, robustness. Re- re- and redundancy. And redundancy. So, so I've got some ability, if there's a disruption somewhere, I've got some parts closer that exactly. I can create here. Yeah. I think wow. manufacturers have learned that lesson. And we've closed the gap through the use of technology and robotics in terms of you know the um, competitive advantage of low-cost labor. Now we have highly skilled labor that is using you know, very technical uh, manufacturing processes. So we do well in that environment. So even here we've got a robust economy compared to our neighbors, even immediately around us or to the rest of the country. We're doing well, but there's still a shortage. And what are those three shortages we talked Information about? technology, yeah. healthcare, and advanced manufacturing. Advanced manufacturing. That's the one you wouldn't think of here in Orange County. Exactly. So can I talk about the other yeah. really interesting thing I think that we, we've started to do <laughs> research on? Millennials. Boy, we could do a whole show on that. And we have, in fact, in a variety of different... We do about 20 different shows here in the network covering a variety of different subjects from HR to manufacturing. And somehow each of them has found a way to do a show on millennials. They ain't like the baby boomers. Well, uh, well, I, I will say in some ways Our that's children true. aren't us. <laughs> in some ways that's true, but in some ways it's us as we were back when we were that age. Maybe. And yeah. we've forgotten what it's like to be back then. So... Actually, there's a lot of things that millennials look very different about, Mm -hmm. but as they age, they'll start to look the same. And actually, I can't remember the exact top five things, but they've asked this question for a long time now. What are your top five priorities in life? And actually, millennials have the same top five priorities, and it's stuff like... You know, get a job, have a family, yeah. own a house, stuff like that. It's the same as previous generations. Although, the, according to the uh, business uh, industry uh, that was in here, they're worried that, uh, at least for the moment, the millennials don't seem to want to run and go buy houses like uh, we did when we were their age, uh, the 20s. And maybe that's because of debt, and maybe that's because of they saw their parents struggle uh, with their home mortgages, or maybe they're just delaying family formation, and they're still out partying and playing and You could whatnot. have given my presentation. <laughs> What's true about what you just said is millennials. Millennials are getting married much older than previous generations. Millennials do have a, they are much more educated than previous generations. Mm -hmm. But coming with that, there is a huge amount of student debt. And Mm -hmm. of course, when you're applying for a loan, that student debt's included in it. The recession hit them very hard because that's right when they were entering the labor market. And they're just starting to recover in terms of their career. But research shows that if you enter a recession, uh, if you enter the workforce during a recession, it takes you about 15 years to catch up. Wow. So wow. they they do have some catching up to do, and they they don't own houses to the extent that you know previous generations did at right. this age. But I will say, maybe a corollary is it looked like they weren't um, buying cars mm-hmm. a few years ago to the extent that's true too. They want but to take, they're uh, catching up public very transportation rapidly. and other sorts of things. I, I think what what we understand now is it was because they didn't have good paying jobs and they didn't feel financially secure to uh, purchase a car. They are the biggest part of the car purchasing market right now. And, in fact, they're making up lost ground in terms of their purchase of vehicles. But look what's happening here in Orange County with the kind of housing that they're building. Well, that's for sure. In a place like Orange County, it's difficult. 
um, for our 25 to 34 year olds, right when they're starting their family and yeah. career, to average buy a house. house is what 600,000 or some crazy figure. I forgot it's what it a is. little bit over 600,000. We yeah. actually released a report um, earlier in the spring on uh, workforce housing in Orange County, and you know we are losing. Uh, you know, I think in the last decade we've lost about 10 percent of our 25 to 34 year olds. Yes, and that's different than any other surrounding county. That stuck with me the last time you were here, and yeah. that scared me because are yeah. we going to end up? And, and let's talk about that for just a moment. You've got me. I'm the 60 year old aging baby boomer. I'm the I'm the prime target here. Suddenly, I'm going to live longer. Suddenly, I'm going to work longer, probably because I have to, because I lost some of my savings or didn't save enough because I'm a baby boomer and I live for today and not tomorrow, and partly because I don't know where else to go either. So I'm going to hold on to my house longer. I'm going to hold on to my job longer. Well, I'm supposed to leave and make room for somebody else. And if I don't, do we run the risk of this becoming one giant leisure world? Yeah, or someplace like Santa Barbara. We are <laughs> right. we are kind of aging, and you know, having aging our service place, workers. Yeah. It's, it's called aging in place. Right. Having our you know our uh, public safety folks have to live outside. Yep. So it is a big issue. That's one of the they other come issues in, that, they service, and they leave. You know, yeah, exactly, right. and it clogs up our freeways and yeah. causes more congestion. So that's another whole issue that OCBC is working on. We talk about it a little bit in the workforce report and the other part of it that we haven't talked about it's even expensive to be a renter at this point in orange yeah. county wow and, and 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 let's talk about that for a moment because when uh, you guys have been here a couple times on different shows and as one of the reports said we were talking about housing in orange county you guys did a report that just i think should be front page news i don't know why it isn't uh, maybe it's because we don't want to hear the you're, you're you're giving us stuff we don't want to hear here but it was basically if Orange County was just going to continue to grow, businesses growing at the rate we're growing, we've got a robust economy, uh, people having a couple of kids, and just forget about the, the, the people like me that came from the Midwest to California a million years ago here. Even if you take that off the board, just the normal growth rate, we're still like, what, 60,000 homes short over the next 20, 30 years? 60,000 now. Well, actually, now. about a little bit over 50,000 now, but going to over 100,000 by 2040. And where, where are we going to build them? We're boxed in. we got the ocean on one side, mountains on the other, Camp Pendleton in the south, and L.A. to the north here. Other than the the land that they're uh, made available on the Great Park and the land that uh, still remains in the last ranch down there, Rancher Mission Viejo, that ain't a lot of homes. What, 10,000 homes maybe? Although I'm more optimistic there are opportunities for housing. And I think it's higher density, and that's something that millennials so far have accepted. Although the people in community, wasn't there a big fight in Huntington Beach a while ago? There always is a really – it's difficult. Yeah, But the other – uh, land use that I think you're going to see opportunities on is we have built too much retail space. Yes, and I remember you said that. We've and got the shopping center in every corner. With Amazon and yeah. delivery services and all that. Big boxes being consolidated. Some of those older sort of um, strip malls probably mm-hmm. at some point will be either mixed use or completely residential. Wouldn't that be wild? So, uh, and yeah. people worry about traffic, but with autonomous cars coming very quickly, I heard somebody say it'll increase capacity by four times. Wow. Having autonomous cars. Well, and the other thing that has come to light, I hadn't thought about it, is people say, well, I don't want to build dense housing. That'll bring more people, more traffic. They're already here. It's They're kids being doubling. born. Yeah. It is kids being born to families that are already here. 
We, are, we do get some immigration from outside the U.S., but we're actually, the state itself is losing folks to other states. Yeah, right. So people are moving away, and it's almost all of our population growth is kids being born. Well, and I think of my own daughter, and she had a baby and her boyfriend, and so they moved in with us for a year until they could go out. Now they're living with five or six other people and renting a house. No, more than that, six or eight of them renting a house somewhere. And there's density taking place right now in our neighborhoods. We just don't want to acknowledge it here. Oh, I think that's completely true. But, um, you know, we'll adjust somehow. We'll we'll make it through. All right. Well, uh, so what's the one takeaway you want everybody to take away today here? You do have an event coming up as well. Let's just talk briefly about that, the economic forecast. Can you give us any uh, little uh, insights, what we're going to see at that event here? You know, I think I haven't seen Dr. Anil Puri from Cal State Fullerton Mm -hmm. and Dr. Mira Farka. They've both been on this show numerous times. They do the actual forecast. I have not seen it, but... From all I'm hearing, uh, you know, we can we'll probably continue to grow jobs. We've grown about fifty thousand jobs in Orange County in the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the business climate here. Um, if you want to do California is a difficult place to do business. No There's question. no doubt about that. Right. But if you want to do business, Orange County is, if not the best, one of the best places in the state. And then also we have a great keynote keynote speaker, Richard Davis. He's the CEO, president and CEO of U.S. Bank. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, wow. He, okay. We've had him before. He's a phenomenal speaker. He's actually from Orange County. I think he was State a Cal State Fullerton. Yeah, Cal grad, State right. Fullerton grad. Right. Very inspirational. And he always talks about, you know, he goes all over the country. Mm-hmm. And he always talks about not just because he's from here, but what a special place in terms of, the business and economic and they really doubled down their investment they bought down you say my my wife full disclosure works for u.s bank so i know more about u.s bank than i did years ago and they bought downey and they've really opened a lot of branches here and really california doubled. is a big market for them yeah they very big market here. for them here yeah because yeah. yeah. they're basically a midwestern bank that came out here and right. and bought up some other ban- banks and have made a big commitment to being in orange county here yeah well uh okay so <laughs> i got a kind of Good feeling is that is that should I not be so happy here? Yeah. Uh, housing's good. The only thing, uh, the only cloud in the horizon that I talked about at our conference last week is we just got some numbers uh, recently that consumer confidence has slipped in the last quarter, and we started to see in retail sales. Retail sales were a bit weaker than yeah. we expected, and consumers being seventy percent of our overall economy. If they pull back significantly, that's not just an Orange County issue, right. but if they pull back significantly, especially entering the holiday shopping season, you know, we might have a little bit slower growth. Than Can I give you an interesting take that I never hear anybody? This is just my own. I'm not an economist. I'm just an aging baby boomer who has seen this for a number of years, and I don't know why people don't know this. People are expecting the ba- the baby boomers are still the largest demographic, right? Although the millennials yeah. are uh, millennials passed them just, just last I think they did, yeah. Yep. So baby boomers are still pretty big, and if as baby boomers go, so goes the economy. At one time, we spent like drunken sailors. You know, we, our houses tripled, everything. Oh my goodness, uh, happy days are here at last. And then we know how that story ended: the Great Recession. I don't think people are going to my age are going to come back and spend like they did ever again one because we've been burned and two because we're older everybody i know is downsizing that my next car won't be bigger my next house won't be bigger if anything i'm going to try and consolidate because i'm trying to suddenly save money to last i don't know 30 40 more years here so i think if you're waiting for our generation to pick up and start spending again i think you're missing the demographic shift we're going to spend less and less and less 
Well, that is going to be a long-term drag on the economy. Yeah, then we've right. got to figure out how to get people more confident. With, And I agree with you totally. Actually, in the numbers, you can see both their current and very immediate future mm-hmm. outlook next year or so. And then you can look at them three to five years out. And both actually took hits. And yeah. During the recession, it was more the near-term outlook. People mm-hmm. thought that, you know, three to five years out, we're going to get back to something yeah, like right. normal. Uh, that's what worried me a little bit was that hit to the long-term outlook. That, uh, that I just... don't think people have taken that into account, that the baby, if you're waiting for us to go out and spend again to, to like we did before, I don't think it's going to happen. Now, maybe millennials will pick that up and spend like we did because they're going to have families and all the same needs and desires. But we, as a generation, I think, have already reached our zenith per person, what we're going to spend. And I think over the years we will spend less and less and less, particularly as it gets scary and we start looking ahead and saying, i got to hold on to what i got here. Well, the other part, I guess, um, is, and these numbers did just come out in the last couple of weeks, you know, if you have a lot of people running for president who go around and s- are talking about how bad things are, oh, I know. that might contribute a little bit. And, uh, again, I don't want to get political here, but the yeah. process seems so paralyzed. And here we are again. Uh, we're doing this show in uh, October, middle of October, and we're all sweating whether or not we're going to go through a default in the government again. Exactly. So people listen. I mean, yeah. you can't. You can't uh, that scares people. Yeah, ex- it sure does. All right. Well, you made me a little less scared today. I thank you for coming. I want you to come in once a year and say, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I can do that. Can, <laughs> Orange County's okay. I can, I can be your security blanket or your psychiatrist. That's Absolutely. what I need once in a while when I think the world's going to hell here. I want you to come in and say, it's not so bad. You bet. It's not so bad. It's not so bad, folks. How do people uh, find you and find these reports if they want to learn so, more? So uh, on our website, www.ocbc.org. And then also our partner of ours is the County of Orange and the Orange County Workforce Investment Board, and it's also on their site, which is www.ocwib.org. Wib, like W-I-B? W-I-B. Okay, Wib. The O.C. Wib. I didn't know we had a Wib in uh, Orange County. We do, and that's who's responsible for (laughs) the workforce training that goes on here. Well, good stuff. Keep it going. I'm glad I live in Orange County here. You know, uh, I feel much safer every time you come in, and uh, I don't know how we're doing it, but we we seem to be (laughs) defying the rules. Everybody else is crying the blues, and we seem to be chugging along pretty well here in Orange County. That's a good thing to be different on, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) All right, thanks so much for coming in. Uh, For those of you uh, listening, uh, thank you for... uh, putting up with the uh, lack of uh, Rick Franza today. He, he he gives such insight into so many things here, but uh, with his guidance and a few questions from him, I hope I, uh, I hope I did a good job and held your attention here today. Uh, he'll be back uh, next week, as usual, with more insights into Orange County business uh, with the notion that it's really simple to help your business grow. Just learn from others. Peer learning is the power of peer learning, as he preaches all the time here. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with some more Critical Mass for Business right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi, 